Coffee with Tony, the podcast, a weekly breakdown of all the topics we discuss on the live Coffee with Tony that is on Twitter, Monday through Friday, 1.15 p.m. Eastern, 10.15 a.m. Pacific. Right there on Twitter, you can just click on it, it goes live, and you can comment, call in, do whatever you like. Uh, but yeah, here we are on the, uh, the podcast, which I'm producing on my own from home. So please forgive any technical issues. Uh, this week was, uh, an intense week. I think we learned a lot about, um, ourselves and we learned about what it means to, uh, have a reckless president and a reckless population. Uh, and we understand both uh, the value of dependency and uh, dependency and uh, our relationships with each other in a community where it can be really frightening. The fact that uh, other people can get you sick, right? Other people who don't believe in a disease can get you sick and want to reopen the country, as we saw in Michigan and Minnesota and in Huntington Beach, California. And I'm presuming around the country next week, it'll be even worse. So uh, I think we're in a real danger zone right now. Um, at the same time, I think that there's a desire to overstate the danger of these Ruby Ridger separatist militia types who constantly you know, show up with their guns pretending to play Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the real edition, walking around with their stupid guns, uh, and also driving around in their minivans and honking their cars. And I do want to say that there's a large chasm between the revolution uh, and or the civil war and some uh, chunky fuckers having too much time on their hands and driving around in their minivan wearing masks. So uh, let's not get scared yet. Uh, I definitely think it's something to flag and look for. Um, I actually consider, and it's interesting, there was a Twitter twin, tw oh, a Twitter twend, a Twitter trend uh, that was about uh, liberate New York, and people got all upset about it. But my feeling is, yes, let's liberate New York and New England and any other states that want to go. Uh, there was a great article written in 1975 uh, that I retweeted um, in the uh, in the now defunct Village Voice talking about how, let's face it, New York, California, the big earning states that pay large amounts of money to the federal government. And then we get a pittance back. And that money goes to these states where, let's face it, the populations voted for Trump. They don't care about the well-being of other citizens, and they're only selfishly concerned with getting, quote, unquote, back to work. And by the way, anyone listening to this is making some argument 
for, well, what about working people and all that? Yeah, of course. You know what? If you had a strong central government with a uh, fail-safe measure that was able to pay people's wages and also support companies that were losing money uh, so that they couldn't pay wages, essentially a work insurance program like Canada, which is paying out $8,000 per citizen for the next four months and probably will re-up it, as opposed to having to go through the SBA or whatever other application process that gets choked out at the state and federal level because they can't handle the massive volume of people it's absurd. So the idea that the way that we show solidarity for working people is by returning to work and opening businesses way too early so that those working people who can't afford to pay for medical care get sick is idiotic. So one of the comparisons I made, and I wanted to, to put it out there because I do think we always need to have some form of empathy, as angry as I get. And I do get angry. You know, there's a part of me that says, arrest these fuckers. They go to the state capitol, arrest these fuckers. Let's just arrest them and, and, and detain them. They are a threat to society. There's a part of me that says that. Just detain these people who are saying, let's gather, let's reopen, because they're trash, right? There's a part of me that says that. And then there's a part of me that I think... Uh, wants to understand and put out there that these people are a byproduct of a grossly manipulative system and an ideology that when you have a deficit of self, when you have self-loathing, when you don't have education, when you are not presented with options uh, or reason, but instead conspiracy and single thought, single-minded thought. And that's combined with the cult, the triple-layer cultism of republicanism, of the church, of uh, the Fox News media, and, of course, Trumpism. So I guess it's quadruple-layer cake. There is a willingness to, in a cult level, to sort of believe that your own bravado and machismo can somehow usurp the uh, reality around you. And what's most dangerous is that these folks are infected by essentially a psychic disease. So the comparison I made this week in the podcast, I mean, in the live cast was that, you know, essentially I can't blame the feral dog with mange for the fact that it is a barking, frothing feral dog with mange. It was put into that position by being ignored, by not being taken care of, by not being cleaned. And that's what these people are. They're feral dogs. And the mange, this infection, is the ideology that's propagated by wealthy people who know better, by industry barons, media barons, and politicians who know better, who and, and church leaders who purposely poison these folks with a an idea that becomes a mange on their soul and their mind. And uh, so there's a part of me that always wants to have a sense of forgiveness or understanding or empathy for the people who are showing such insanity right now. And of course, I understand at the same time that they are a threat to me and to us. They are going to become a threat. That is where we're heading. People are going to be a threat medically. They're going to be a threat physically. And if people choose violence, it is going to be a very, very dangerous time. And a lot of people say, oh, well, they have the guns and we don't have the guns and all that. 
uh, to some degree, that's true. I also think a lot of this is all show and no go. And I think that what's more sad is it will be pathetic sort of violent pop ups that will basically just put uh, municipal workers at risk. It'll put cops and firemen and EMTs who are already taxed at risk. And that's the worst part is that this is this is the selfishness, the gross selfishness of this knows uh, no limit. So um, that's sort of what this week was about. Right. It was the gross selfishness of a president who tried to uh, who does not care. He doesn't care. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's just trying to make different videos at this point, hoping one of them will win people over. We talked a lot about that. I mean, he's like sort of the coyote and reality is the roadrunner and he just can't seem to capture reality. And he's desperately trying everything he can and it's not working. Um, you know, we looked at the, uh, you know, we looked at Biden and uh, getting endorsed by Bernie Sanders. Uh, we addressed sort of some of the issues with Bernie Sanders and the accusations against, I mean, the accusations against Joe Biden. Uh, I think it's always a, I'm sure it's a conundrum for a lot of Bernie supporters because Bernie is supporting Biden and is friends with Biden and Warren has supported Biden. And the question is, are these accusations from uh uh, from the accuser, are they legitimate? There's a great Medium article you can look it up online. I can't find it right now, but maybe I'll link it in the in the the, the write up. Uh, that it's uh, it is an interesting thing because you know uh, obviously every accusation should be taken seriously and everything should be litigated publicly and nobody should be let off the hook. And at the same time, the truth of the matter is is that there are. Um, you know, political designs on tarnishing a candidate. And you have to consider those things, too. I think you have to consider everything, not saying one is better than the other, but you got to consider the whole pie and why something is being done the way it is done. And that's not discounting anything. I think you can hold more than one thing in your mind. And that's something we really try to put forward on Coffee with Tony is hold more than one idea in your head at the same time. It doesn't mean you're negating one because you hold the other. In psychology, they call it the tension of opposites allow yourself to feel both opinions at the same time you'll actually make a better conclusion today we talked with my best friend neil casey he wrote for amy schumer he wrote for saturday night live uh he wrote for the president's show and was a co-executive producer and he wrote the uh was very integral in the last president's show special the fall of donald trump um neil has been my best friend roommate comedy partner for almost 20 years uh, I've done instant cinema with Neil death by Ruru with Neil trillion with Neil Casey, or was it grenade versus washing machine? I can't remember. Uh, maybe it was grenade versus washing machine, the UCB house team. We've done innumerable ass cats, uh, two man movie. Um, you name it. We've done it. We've lived together. We've screamed at each other. We've, uh, smoked five packs of cigarettes in a day with each other. Uh, we've pretended to be a bedridden boy and his grandmother playing online video games. Neil is a tech wizard who hacked our house and made all sorts of cool things like wireless gaming happen long before it was happening uh, anywhere else. Um, he's also just a good friend, a loyal guy, a person you want to go on a road trip with. And uh, I can't think of a, a better human being that I know. Uh, Neil is uh, a classic um, gentleman, uh, in the best way. Uh, and he's also a huge Star Trek fan. We didn't get into Star Trek really here at all, uh, but I'm sure there'll be a part two. Um, 
So it's a long conversation, so I definitely don't want to uh, go for too long for this one. Uh, this is the first podcast, so I hope you will subscribe. I hope you'll listen to it. I'm doing it all on my own. I definitely want to recognize audio editors, producers, because it is really difficult to put a podcast together. And I am not even sure if it's going to post properly, and I'll probably end up maybe offloading a lot of this responsibility to somebody else but i'm glad that i did one uh for myself i'm also not sure if putting this swingle singer song on is going to get me in trouble or not but we're going to try it and just see uh just see what happens i'm going to record and hey, wait hold on you're going to record on GarageBand too right i'm recording a wave file in audacity okay so let's uh i'm recording now too oh let's take that off okay great and just clap for uh yeah clap yeah, great. Just so I have something. Oh, yeah. Just in case. This is the first one. <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm going to restart my recording because I'm recording. I'm Zooming you with the good mic, but the Audacity is recording the, um, the, the crappy one. Oh, I better hope that the Zoom is also recording on the good mic. Oh, there we go. Good. So, okay. All right. And now go. I'm recording. And good clap morning. now. This is all going to be part of it. I hope so. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And that's uh, our relationship summed up uh, pretty succinctly. So this is my interview with Neil Willits Casey, former roommate and comedy partner, uh, future survivor of the pandemic. I would love it if most of this was just us technically (laughs) figuring something out, which is most of our friendship. Yeah, in this, in, in, you're in my old bedroom. <laughs> where yeah. I have like a server farm. <laughs> That's right. I am in your old bedroom. It's weird to think that it's now been my office for so long, but yet I still think of it as I call it your bedroom. Right. And you like keep a, a turtle there. You um, should just, you should just do full, uh, full grandmother impersonation while you're <laughs> fiddling with this stuff. Yeah. The phantom power I bought. <laughs> Neil, the phantom power. I bought it from a... <laughs> I went down to the town square and a, an old man cloaked in a hood gave me a phantom in a bottle. He said, you can access the power to do the most amazing podcasts. <laughs> also, I don't... I, I'm sitting on a stool because Flossie said when I did a test yesterday that the um, the chair was too noisy. But I think... Oh, a squeaky chair, noisy, yeah. But the... Yeah. Stool's noisy too. Yeah, it's amazing to me that you fit a bed and all the things that you had in here. When I think about it now, because I find I have no room in this room. Yeah, I had like a twin bed and like a a weird little futon, and then I had a dresser, a dresser with a TV on it, and then I had my desk and a computer here. Your desk, and then I had a and then I had another computer with another monitor that was my like development server because I was a programmer at the time i had an old like compact like pentium 266 or something that uh that's right i used as a as a windows because i wasn't really a windows guy i was a unix guy but i was working a job that was windows so i needed a windows system at home well the best one was the the things where because i'm to to get to i think that this is a pretty honest statement i'm sort of hyper unaware uh, these are, I have good qualities, but I can be hyper unaware, very demanding, 
and also simultaneously unappreciative of the things that people do around me to support the existence I'm in. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> Neil ran a like essentially like a high speed internet line. I don't know how, but you ran wireless. Like I had a wireless Xbox connection when you couldn't have a wireless Xbox connection. Right. I bridged your yes. Xbox over Ethernet to your. It wasn't that big a deal, but I you, you I to had me your Xbox. It was yeah, we had Wi-Fi downstairs. We did not have Ethernet in the house, so we plugged your Xbox in your room into your laptop, and I wrote a little script that you could double click on on your desktop that would redo your network settings when you'd plug the Xbox into the computer and bridge your Xbox onto the Wi-Fi network via the 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 your your old Mac laptop. I remember and, that. And then. Neil would be like in a bed asleep and I'd be like, Neil, it's not working. You need to check the script. Neil, get up. Neil, get up. That's right. Yeah. It's, yeah. There, there's that weird roommate bleed where like chores, chores and stuff, but it, like, it, I mean, it's true in a marriage too of like, it's weird when like common law makes something your job, even though you just did it as a favor twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me, that's, cooking and washing dishes <laughs> sure yeah but, you but know, i also used to yeah. keep i used to like do like dishes like weekly because i never cooked but i would have coffee so i would have like five or six yes. of like your coffee mugs in my room that i'd come down and wash <laughs> on like saturday because i'd have my i'd wake up and have my cup of coffee on the porch and then go to work in the morning and then yes. you know when i got around you know we live way out in queens so then you know, I'd go into Manhattan, not get home till 11 or 12 at night. And then, yeah, I'd like wash mugs on Saturday and be like, oh, yeah. here's all your mugs back, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this then, right? This will be a good thing. It's like our, and I think it'll link into sort of a subject matter, is that the sort of way when you're younger that you install in your mind sort of ways that you think things are done, but mm -hmm. you never really field test them. So then you do them and they're sort of self-defeating things. Like and it, they could be large or small. So for me, one was always being like, when I cook, it's gotta be like madness because that's how you cook, right? And so everything would, sometimes it would come out nice. Sometimes it would come out like shit. It, there was no real you know, rhyme or reason to it. Um, but I convinced myself for so long that that baked in that it took me like a you know, half a decade to unlearn this behavior that, nobody gave to me i gave it to myself what's yeah. do you have one of the do you have one that you many recognize? many i mean the, the one that springs to mind immediately now is just what we talked about in the room is i like i obsessively i don't like hoard objects like sentimental objects or trinkets or anything like that but i really have an aversion to disposing of old obsolete technology because i can always conceive of a use for it you know, like I, I, I had that X, original series Xbox, like pre 360 that I modded into a front end for a like Myth TV DVR thing. But, I mean, but, but they, things do come in handy. Look, I have a blue snowball microphone. Yes. I'm using it now. It's yellowed with time, but I was able to pull a really nice USB mic out of um out of my like little technology cabinet over in the credenza uh, yes. uh to, to get rigged up for this situation but yes. yeah i have i like still have an old like 2005 imac because i can't bear to throw away what is like a really beautiful 24 inch hd screen yes. so i like repurpose it for stuff but 
any time that I've just said, like any when I had to move to LA from New York, I just had to get rid of all that stuff, and I've never missed it. You know, right, like I had an right. old laptop at that time. I had like some routers and just all this, you know, toolkit stuff. Yes. In a small New York apartment, and then when I moved to LA, I just gave I gave it all away, and 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 and, and you drove missed. you drove to Los Angeles, right? I did. My dad and I drove my 2005 Toyota Corolla, which I still drive to yes. uh, Los Angeles. Yes, this is the same Corolla that lived on our block, and I can't say what block that is. Of course, I don't want to yeah. reveal where I live completely or where we live. But uh, suffice to say that, and I only told Neil. I don't know if I had told you this story and I don't, I can't recall now if when I told you the story, you're like, I already knew that or whether that was new information about the time that your car got towed and I got it back within a day before you ever knew. Yeah. I knew that because my uh, cigarettes were gone. And and, and, yeah, so that it started with a small clue and then it unraveled into you having to tell me that story when you, you drove (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got it towed and got it back. And then, I yeah. drove it down to the stop and shop, but there was a parking lot across the street. And I, apparently there's a parking lot on top of the stop and shop. I didn't know about that. There was just the one across the street. So I went, oh, that's got to be the lot for everything. I went in there for, I kid you not. Uh, and it was something stupid. Like I bought like pickles and ham. And I came back out in the car. Just, and you were just so <laughs> delighted with yourself, walking with your pickles and ham. <laughs> what kind of coffee are you drinking? I should ask you that. Uh, we are on our backup beans, which is the Uh-oh. Costco medium roast, which is just Starbucks medium roast. So oh. our preferred is the um, Jose's, uh, um, I guess it's um, uh, Colombian, I guess. The the because they do they do a really nice puerto rican blend the jose's as well but the, the, this is the common we normally do that and that's our beans grind them up make them in just a uh you know drip drip coffee brewer um just mr coffee thing but now we've in the quarantine we're we're on our backup our backup bag of um house blend do you keep it do you keep it in the freezer no we go through it fast it, uh, no, it doesn't last us more than a couple of weeks. We make a pot of 12 cups every morning, especially in the quarantine. My wife and I have a three-year-old, so we're just in it to win it every day. From yeah, about 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. Oh, God. Yeah, I could say that uh, I obviously I don't have, uh, not obviously, but I guess like obvious to Neil that I don't have children. Um, but we, uh, in the quarantine, because of the timing, we were taking care of my in-law's dog, Lulu. And right. although it's not the same as having a child, I uh, am finding the for the first because a turtle is not an animal that you have to worry about. You know, you can leave the turtle for two weeks; it'll just do its own thing. So yeah. you care for it, but it's a pretty much you know set it and forget it type of pet. Yeah. But um, this is a. Uh, did that? Do you hear that burp? No, no. Your the your your little filter there did a nice job masking it like a hard p <laughs> i'm doing that too in a bucket below the mic um <laughs> did you find that there was a psychological shift beyond having the child within you i'm saying within you in terms of perspective or memory did you find things behaviors or patterns even almost a young a younging of you happened that you sort of 
You know, do you know? What yeah, I, mean I think I there's that? a real turn to conceiving of your home as a sort of capital H home for a right. family, as opposed to a launching pad for your sort of youthful adventures and indiscretions. You know, right. so the idea of like shopping for a family and planning meals and all that stuff that I have an ink. You know, I have a. I enjoy planning things out and having, you know, the, the, you know, the simple pleasures of a meal you make yourself, things like that. But conceiving of the sort of like head of household responsibility of like, well, I'm a, it's not just, I'm in a couple and we are sharing a bedroom and a living space and a, and a life, you know, you, you just don't conceive of your, your day to day as being sort of a trampoline towards bigger things. You do start right. to focus on optimizing, so to speak, the, um, the routines, like you're saying, the routines of your house, you know, what is there? Um, when I wake up in the morning, like, what do I want to get done before my son's awake and all you just conceive of things in a different way because you've got this, this person dependent on you. So things that could, that you had the luxury of being automatic, uh, uh when you didn't have a helpless creature to yes. take care of yes. need to be decided on ahead of time and sort of adhered to. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Um, just want to do a little plug for Cameo. So the Cameo I do is the real Tony. Yes, it's 50 bucks a shot, but hey, why not? Um, you can get voice only uh, Trump, Picard, uh, William Shatner, Woody Allen. Um, of course, my character, Lyle Mesmer, who's a mentalist. I could do a reading for you, uh, whatever you'd like. Um, just go to the real Tony on Cameo and uh, register for me to do something for you or a friend today. Uh, in addition, once in a while, I do full Trump costume appearances. That will be $250 when I do that, but the normal base price is 50 bucks. Let me redo your voicemail, whatever you want. Thank you very much. <laughs> I cleaned up at Macy's. They're having a fire sale on like um, uh, Irish crystal decanters for- <laughs> I was really admiring the back bar. I was gonna ask you about it. Uh -huh. It's Neil has behind him what is uh, like, what looks like someone who's gathered things over a lifetime of decanters and crystal and booze and not like a hoardery way, like just a beautiful bar set. The uh, a number of it is for the uh, the Catholic Church across the street from us. Every uh, autumn has this great rummage sale, better than yeah. a Goodwill thrift store thing. And I've gotten like a number of like barware things from them, like martini glasses and that like globe shaped decanter and the wine decanter. And then yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, some other stuff I've had for a long time, like thrift stores in New York. And yeah. then some of the most recent stuff, the stuff that's at the front. The fine people at Macy's are just having a big fire sale post-COVID. I was buying my wife some stuff for her birthday, which was April 1st. And oh, I just sort of noticed, birthday. I was like, oh my God, I can get these like real crystal decanters for like $19.95 each. And that used to be, you know, $100, $110. Really? Yeah. So I just, you know, just. Everyone's losing. Let's let, I mean, every, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Yeah. In this sense, which is. It's like, I feel like we're in uh, this delay. And of course, I, it's like I could get into the whole thing and I feel like my brain starts to say, well, give the whole context, but everyone knows the content. And today's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday. Um, and we'll be dining together via the internet tonight and making oh, the same nice. meal. So we're making the same meal so we can all enjoy it together. That's great. Um, so 
I guess I'll sort of two things because we touched on this the other day, which is that I find it so fascinating that technology that has been around really in some consistent form for the last, uh, let's say six years, let's just be very, very liberal in terms of like, it's been around for what much longer, but like- Are you talking about like FaceTime? FaceTiming, you know, uh, Zooming, all yeah. sorts of multi-party chat. And it's interesting to me to see how, I think a lot of people, including me, have held their nose at that sort of thing. Like even internet broadcasting, doing Twitch, doing, right? Any of these things, and some of them I still am like, oh God. But um, the notion that like, there's that, that you're like, oh, I could just have a group video chat with family that lives all around the country. We could just have an hour where we all get together and sit and talk with each other and you see everyone's face. And now we're doing it in a way that no one was doing before. And, and, and I wonder one, will this be one of those things like the way that there are habits that developed out of the depression and so on yeah. that became things that just were like how we do it now, which is why do you think that prior to this, everyone just didn't do shit like Bob? Or, um, and also what other habits or what things do you think will continue on past this? And then in the second part of that question is economic change. Like we're having the Macy's fire sale and things like that. We have sort of, the sonic boom hasn't happened yet. Right. I feel like everything has sort of, like we've seen the plane go super fast, but the boom is not happening. And what's the boom going to look like? Yeah, so those are two. One is a very optimistic uh, discussion and one's a very pessimistic discussion. I think that the yes. things that will survive this are um, teleworking. You know, if it, we, we're having a moment now where everybody who can work from home has realized that they can work from home. Um, everybody who the companies have wanted to lay off and they don't plan on bringing back has been laid off. Yes. Um, and then when we go back to work, they're still going to have to, even just for insurance purposes, what the insurance companies are going to have to make the businesses do, um, if not their own lawyers, if not just whatever the new best practices become, will be, you know, an end to the sort of close quarters working, uh, uh, in, in, uh, open floor plan cubicles packed together, people touching the same surfaces and stuff all the time. They're going to have to reimagine offices to allow them to mitigate circumstances like this, especially if we imagine that there will be multiple waves of this crashing yes. um, uh, over the next few years. Yes. Um, they, they'll have to, you know, I, I'm not sure it'll be like madman. Everybody gets their own office with the door that closes, but I think for the people who do have to show up to work, they're going to, uh, it's going to end the, um, uh, the sort of bullpen, uh, uh, design of offices with, you know, hot desks and yeah. communal workspaces and all that stuff. Do um, you think, do, so just to, just to come in there, I agree with you. Do you really think that the inkling I've been getting in the last couple of days is that even though everyone's like Trump's insane and what he's saying is insane and we can't go back to work May 1st and blah, blah, blah. Right. But it does seem that like the corporate media, even Democratic governors, everyone, the, the punditry are, stored, are sort of like doing a sort of thing like I just did, which was like optimist, pessimist in the same breath of like, it does seem like the, the conventional wisdom is moving in the direction of somehow accepting and trying to promote this back to normal thing. Mm -hmm. And like, are they going to... 
do you think we're really going to fucking try that first so that we can all reinfect each other and have a worse? Do you think, do you think the worst decision is going to be made or do you think there's going to be some sort of mitigating thinking that's going to stop this disaster that seems to be approaching? Well, it's hard to know who to listen to, and that is what drives me crazy about it, is the absolute incompetence of the federal government's response to this stuff. They're completely disorganized. They want to put all the risk and all the work off to the states and then take credit for the reopening whenever it happens. Because to me, it seems like it's all about the credit. It's all about who gets to cut the ribbon at the opening ceremony. Yes. (laughs) That's all he wants to do. Um, But then secondly, I mean, the media, the the media has been completely and totally um, unreliable, especially through the start of this. Uh, Yes. Only the New York Times and I don't read enough publications to give the full breadth of who deserves praise here, but of the, of the media organizations that I pay attention to, the only one that treated the pandemic as a serious threat from the beginning was the times, the economist a little bit that, you know, I, I I don't, I didn't read enough to to know, but I do know that the Washington post Vox, uh, a lot of these online things did all this sort of, Oh, it's just the flu. Don't worry about it. Don't be scared. And somebody else made this observation on Twitter, and I forget who, but it struck me as so funny um, when they when they were doing things like tweeting, "Come to the Lunar New Year celebration in Manhattan. We won't be scared by the coronavirus. Like, don't live in fear of the coronavirus. It's like what you're thinking of is terrorism." That's yeah. the observation that somebody else made, and I forget yeah. who, so I apologize. I can't give credit. It's like you're confusing it with terrorism, where there isn't anything to be afraid of for most people. Actually, in the case of a, you know, what do they call it, R zero, where it can transmit immediately and easily among humans, as even people are asymptomatic. That's actually an incredibly scary thing that you should be afraid of. So living in fear, I wouldn't phrase it like that, but that's not the worst idea. The idea of sort of like, let's show the virus that it's not going to scare us is an absurd point of view because the virus doesn't have a point of view because it is a strand of RNA that can turn your lungs into jelly. How dare you rob the how dare you rob the virus of its agency meal? <laughs> I mean, it is a sh- the live theater thing is, really bums me out. The idea that like live performance and sort of um, stand up improv sketch, anything getting people together to watch something on a stage is is dead on arrival for the next at oh, least yeah. six months, if not I, years, if not I just am, over completely. I am interested in experimenting with doing you know because i'm gonna try to do these like tony shows like do my variety show right yeah Uh, but obviously do it like as a zoom or whatever whatever crowd cast yeah the time delay will get you too though that'll really throw you you know the comedic timing oh yeah there's no way that just the latency will throw you because i think it's solo direct performance i feel like it's everything is direct to camera performance you can't really do back and forth Although you and I having a back and forth right now, and I don't feel like there's a real delay. Yeah, but why don't we both try and count to 10 together? This is Chad Carter's right, old right. trick. Okay, all right. One, two, two three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So both of us experienced that totally differently. I, for you, for you, you were behind me. You seemed in sync to me. But that's oh also our incredible 
timing together, we probably found a I think it is true. We minimized. are. We are such brilliant. You were such a brilliant duo. It's hard for us not to have perfect timing. That's right. the problem. Um, in terms of the economic fallout and stuff, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an absolute disaster. It already yeah. is. It's yeah. it's uh, uh, the food supply chain. So the, the the news. Well, I guess I was doing my bit of media criticism, but like yes. my problem with everybody, the Post, Washington Post and all that stuff, is that they are have been talking to people. And this is, I think, a big problem right now. It's sort of the, um, the meta-ness of the political narrative. The, the media companies are very aware of how they fit into the process. So then they're always trying to um, put their thumb on the scale when they know that they're going to have a big effect. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. They go... So that, so like, here's a big complaint because this is absolutely unforgivable. Instead of people saying, and I'm paraphrasing, um, Balaji's, uh, Sirnivisian, whose name I just butchered, but he's a Stanford guy, technologist. And one of the few people who was really right about the, what the pred predicting, what was going to happen in this country right. ahead of time. Cause the Silicon Valley people were really ahead of it. They have a yeah. conception of sort of what exponential or geometric growth is. Yes. They, conceive of how these things actually play out in when when this sort of thing is out of people's day-to-day -day experience you know right. going viral you know right right but um to 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 uh paraphrase this uh professor here or to sort of take to to, to echo his point like it's one thing to say there's not enough n95 masks to go around right so therefore healthcare workers need to have priority access to these masks. So that means that regular people therefore have to go maskless so that, you know, first responders, healthcare workers, et cetera, get their masks. Right. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to say, but that's not what they were saying. What right. they were saying in the news was masks don't work. You don't need them. Yes. And yeah. that's insane yeah. because that's propaganda. Yep. That's like, that's like, like that's Soviet level yes. madness where yes. they're like, there is no need for masks. You don't need them. Yes. Masks are useless. Whereas actually a homemade cloth mask is a pretty good barrier. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> and that's why Korea masks, Japan, even masks, Singapore. Oh, yeah. Masks. You can look at the countries that use the mask. But so we have this level of bullshit where the truth is, there aren't enough masks to go around. So the, 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 the priority people need the best masks. Yep. Then what they actually say to the population is don't let the other side lie to you. You don't need a mask, which yeah. is an insane thing to say. Well, it's insane too, because it's like you said, Soviet it's there, there was uh, some, I forget what I was watching, but some supposition about like, uh, oh, well, you know, they had to say that masks wouldn't work because they didn't want to make people have a run on the masks. Right. And it's like, what is this nanny state? Let's talk about actual nanny state thinking. Like, you, why do you need to lie to the um, people about the va validity of uh, masks or protecting yourself? because you're afraid of their behavior. Yeah, so that's you know, what I mean by the meta. They're concerned yeah. about how it's going to be received and what kind of the, again, I'm paraphrasing this professor here, but they're concerned, they're worried about what the sort of second order consequences are gonna be to the news that they're reporting, yeah. which is then looping back and affecting how they report the news, which is unacceptable.
Yes. Like, like if you have to label things as news analysis, then shouldn't you have to label things as news that has a feedback loop from what you think the effect of the news is going to be on the population? Yeah. Well, that's like, propaganda. You a little icon for that? Yeah, just a little P for propaganda. <laughs> it's irresponsible journalism at this point to give this guy any credence. He has no, there is no value in what the president's doing or saying. Yeah, so he doesn't, he doesn't care. Which and he is doesn't care. Always, he can't yeah. be said enough. It's he literally doesn't care. He's just trying to get the get through the day. He wants to get through the day. Could give a shit. He wishes this is over. He wishes he could go golfing and that things would go back to. And really, you know, at night, he's like, I just want to get back to 3%. How do we get it back to 3%? Appearances, appearances. Hey, Trump is truly a classic rube in the sense that he really goes into every day going today, um, they're totally gonna love it. They're gonna love me. They're gonna love this video. Finally, today is the day that they're all gonna love, love me. I, I love this video, yeah, I love it. So he's unironically walks out there and goes, this video is gonna fix everything. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the thing, people go, how can you find him funny? And I'm like, that's how I find him funny. I find him funny that he's so, truly believes every day that this is the key everyone's gonna like him yeah and he, he that's got, all he wants and that's all he wants if if he thought that every if he thought that everybody in the country would die like he does not care about anything other than people enjoying him in the moment like right now <laughs> he doesn't care. oh yeah. my god and, and, yeah it's the yeah the, the shit eating grin and then he gets so he gets so pissed off when people don't like it he's like let's move on can we just go back to regular <laughs> can we stop talking about the video can we please go back to regular yeah. please stop talking about never mind like video was a bust like let's do a new one yeah hey guys i just want to take this opportunity to once again uh Thank everybody for listening, but also please subscribe to my Patreon. It's The Real Tony. Just go to Patreon, search The Real Tony. There's awesome value for the base subscription and the top tier master subscription. Uh, base subscription, you're going to get access to podcasts early. You're going to see archival stuff that I post. And often I'll open some things up uh, like AMAs and things to everybody. Uh, but I also... Um, want you to uh, know that the journeyman, the apprentice level is the first level. Journeyman is the second level. That's going to get you some downloadable individual content, some things that um, are only available on Patreon. Uh, and also uh, you're going to get to cook along uh, side me with cooking with Tony, which is available to everybody. And then if you're a master, that's where we really get close. We're going to do AMAs and video chats with each other, discuss art. Uh, if you have advice, if you're a performer, whatever, I will do many workshops with you. Um, so that'll be really exciting as well. So the Patreon is the real Tony sign up for it today. When a lot of people, especially when they're learning improv, when they're <clears throat> trying to be funny, they're trying to do an impersonation of something that they've seen before, a sitcom, a movie, stand-up comic, stuff like that. And a lot of times just tonally, especially when it's like a, a man and a woman doing a scene together, the guy's immediate reaction is to sort of, you know, be aggressive with his female scene partner in a way that is different from how he tried to try to be aggressive with another male scene partner yes. and puts them in that sort of position of sort of 
to be the butt of the joke. Like in his mind, it's like, somebody has got to be the butt of the joke. Let's well, going to be you sister. Yes. And then another thing that I've seen just in real life, I mean, definitely on stage, but in real life too, is a lot of times <laughs> like this, I'm echoing a, a, a very funny female standup that I worked for, for a long time said, yes. said something along the lines of, um, um, anytime that like a man encounters a woman who is treating him with anything but sort of kindness and deference. Yes. All that man sees is his mother sort of like yelling at him. <laughs> and, yes. Yes. and his reaction is to sort of like shift into this weird sort of butthurt juvenile, yes. you know, like adolescent 12 year old boy. He's like, oh, fuck me. Well, then fuck you. Yeah. Right. That right underneath. As a reflex. And yes. I definitely observed that where it's sort of like just a, a woman being sort of like, are you sure about that? Make some people. And you're like, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> and all these things, by the way, a lot of these things sort of are two tracks. One track is just the default mechanism of people trying to be funny in a class and their first blush bullshit is always very surface, right? The yeah. second though betrays a sort of latent, um, you know, thinking that yeah. is prevalent in that, in, in whiteness and in white upper middle class dalliances that uh, they consider uh, that they they are either woke enough that they can do that, or they are uh, unaware enough that they think they can do it. The yeah. reason I'm 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 bringing all these things up is to tie it back to this reporting uh, reporting on the president and the video in the press conference yesterday. Which for anybody, uh, this would be April thirteenth when this happened. You know, this will probably be out by Friday, um, but I think the video will live as a story all week was that what we've seen is between Yamiche and, and, uh, and uh, other, uh, Yamiche, sorry, Yamiche, um, other reporters, it is women in the press pool who are challenging the president. Yeah. It is women exclusively. exclusively. And men are sitting idly by. And when women do, it feels like a high school classroom with an out of control teacher where like women are speaking up in the classroom and then the male students are like, um, whatever, I don't want to like, get a bad grade. Like, yeah. it's amazing to me, the cowardice by the male reporters yeah. in the press. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the fact that he's so touchy that you say something like, what do you say to the people who are scared? And he's like, you know what? You're disgusting. <laughs> like, he's so touchy that I think that the men are, they, it is cowardly. And I think that, like, if I put myself in their heads, it's like, what's the fear? The fear is that things escalate so fast that you're going to look like, a, 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 you know, a wuss or whatever you want to say yeah. in the thing. That, the, that, that like, like, the male reporter conceives of the way the conversation's going to go. Yes. It's going to be that, like, they have to, like, throw a punch right away or something. Like, the male <laughs> reporter's like, well, that's clearly not true, Mr. President. He's like, you know what? You're disgusting. You're a loser. Fuck you. And the guy's going to have to be like, oh, that's it. Yes. Or, like, take a swing at the President of the United yeah. States. Maybe that's part of it. That's just off the top of my head. Whereas the sort of, um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the female reporters in the room take the, you know, the A-plus student approach to him you know and he and he's going to be like disappointed in them and like you know mean and cruel but not sort of quite as chest thumpy you know he's so pissed off but he's it's 
it kind of t- has a different tenor when he's like hurt and then responds, you know, with his own kind of venom that just the way the conversation's going to go. Oh, he got so just, pissy. He got yeah. so sassy. And what I love too is he has so many cross purposes agendas that don't work with each other. And you watch them all intersect in that questioning where he's like, you're a liar and you're deceitful. He's like, not all of you. I mean, some of you, I really respect. I mean, you know, this is good, but you're a pig and you're garbage. And let me tell you something else. People are dying. and I don't care. They're dying. I mean, I do care, but they're dying. Some people I care they're dying. Did you see the video? Like he like, he had to, cause he's trying to do the, like, I got to get, someone said to him and it got through somewhere. You've got to kind of be nice to the press because this is like a pandemic and people could die and it could go south real quick, right? People are dying at a level that it's bad, but it's not as bad as predicted. So he like wants to celebrate that, but right. can't, right? He, <laughs> he has so many different things so that it's impossible for him to triangulate, triangulate a way to, to go at it. But so now, so that being said, so what we're watching there is the trash fire of the president, which I think, um, some of the boldness you saw and you're going to see this week, my prediction is this week in the, in the press room is that when the numbers came out that his numbers are dropping because of these daily press conferences, when it's like now empirically shown that this, his magic is wearing off, right? His magic is failing and wearing. And he thought these pressers could be essentially the methadone to the heroine of his rallies. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Which is what they are. So <laughs> yeah. now that's starting to wear off and the methadone's not working, right? Do, don't you think that there's sadly a cynical calculation that the press was like, this week we can stand up to him because the yeah. polling shows that he's weak? Yes. That's so sad. So, and the fact yeah. that, like, I, I, back to my point Sorry. before about, like, the me- so many people in the media saying it's just the flu. They, like, they, like, when it turns out, when it turns out that it's not just the flu, it is a pandemic, we do need to take these really extreme measures. Yes. Right? They still take this sort of position that they were saying all along that we needed to take these more extreme measures and that they as the keepers of the truth retroactively must have been right about this stuff. But right. in practice, you see how absolute, how just reactive they are all the time. Yes. They're just, you know, but, but they sort of retroactively take the mantle of like, well, all right thinking people at the time were in January, were calling for this uh, extreme measures in response to the pandemic. And that's not true. They, yes. they weren't like it, it was confused. There's a cloud, you know, fog of war. I'm not saying they should have been, but they're also not allowed to say that they were or imply that they were, you know, to imply that it's this sort of that the Trump administration uniquely had it wrong. They did. No, everybody had it wrong. Everybody had it. Everybody wrong. had it wrong because except for the except for the Silicon Valley. Say what you want about the tech bros, they were ahead of it. Your your buddy Jack, yes, and everybody from Twitter to work from home, yes. Like to when people when the 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 tech journalists and stuff were making fun of them for doing that, and also but, Jack Dorsey, I, let's give a shout out to Jack Dorsey for donating a billion dollars to COVID research. Yeah, it's and I am a firm believer in this, which is that I did this with Chuck Todd or people who I'm not like a huge fan of. When they do right, you get yeah. praise, and when you do wrong or there are things, you should be criticized, right? 
And this brings up me, this is a per perfect thing you bring up, Jack, but sort of brings me to something that I think is a good closeout for our last sort of 15 minutes here is sort of the, you know, one of the big topics that's been going on on Coffee with Tony. And, and you know, this is the first one uh, of these, but basically I try to, to pepper our conversation with sort of what I've been hearing from the yeah. 40, 50, 60 people who, you know, sort of stream the show every day. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also, uh, you know, in, so, so the caveats being that Twitter is reflective of about, let's say 6% of the US population, maybe 8%. Right. And that's accounting for every account, which means that let's take it down to six or 5% because you know of that, 30 to 40% of those accounts are bots or not even used, right? Right, yeah. So you're talking a nominal number of people who actually are doing anything. And, and, and one thing that we saw before the, uh, the, the pandemic was how Twitter uh, particularly was driving, I don't think really, was the, the news cycle for sure, not the Republican Party so much, but the Democratic Party was taking its cues from Twitter. The, the general personality of Twitter has a personality disorder, period. Mm -hmm. Facebook, is, uh, Instagram is narcissism and Twitter is borderline personality disorder. Yes. It is the compulsion to get up in front of everybody and be like, listen up, stupid. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, if you don't, and if you don't agree with me, you're dead to me. And I, I, and I say that on both sides. That's not, a, um, that's not particularly a problem I have with, you know, um, conservative Twitter. It's not particularly I have a problem with woke Twitter. It's right. not a problem I have with the media class, you know, just mainstream urban liberal MSNBC Twitter. Yes. It's just the nature of the medium. Right. It is. It's like follow, unfollow, block. Like, you yes. know, uh, 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 your personal relationships coalesce around your current emotional state yeah. and are discarded when, yes. you, when your pancake flips. Yeah, it's, it's the flotsam and jetsam of the mind, right? Yeah. It's like all the things that we're not supposed to, we've talked about this before, is yeah. like it's all the things you're not supposed to celebrate about the mind. It's all the things that we spend our lives trying to to be mindful of, to to deal with um, and to, to remove. And, and I think that what's so sad about, you know, and so what I've been trying to introduce is this idea of radical reason, reasoning of, right. the, of the notion of saying, Hey, we can, you can be radical and reasonable. You can be both. Yeah, but remember what Stuart and Colbert did a rally for the reasonable, that kind of thing. It's just an untenable position. Like you're arguing, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. oatmeal. You know? yeah, I, I agree with you. It's oatmeal. I, but, you know, I've had some success with like having, I have like a lot of burner. I have some Bernie people and I have like Biden people who watch my show or, you know, I've like sort of, my big point to them the other day was you guys all call like, oh, this person isn't a progressive. And I'm like, progressive is a market tested word that came out of the Clinton 92 campaign because they didn't like the word liberal because liberal was destroyed in 1988 during the Bush Dukakis campaign. So right. every one of you fucking supposed anti-establishment revolutionaries are using a term that's a market tested D triple C term. So yep. go fuck yourselves with your like, I'm a fucking radical. You don't even know shit. And that's <laughs> my sort of thing is yes, I'm old, I'm old man Tony now, but I'm uh -huh. sick and tired of uh, having young uh, and middle-aged people who wear the mantle of revolutionary, but only when it suits them to their own needs and not to the sort of longer work of, 
was Bernie Sanders ever really going to become president? I don't think so. He's a twice failed candidate. I'm not surprised by that. Also, how did Joe Biden become the greatest villain in the history of mankind? I know, I, you know, uh, speaking to, not speaking to the uh, uh, sexual harassment or assault allegation, but like, you know, Joe Biden, I'm from Delaware. I've been, I've known Joe Biden, you know, since I was a kid. My sons met him at, at a takeout restaurant in Wilmington, Delaware. My aunt worked for him his, her whole career. He gave her eulogy when she died. Uh, you know, my, everybody knows Joe. <laughs> like, yeah. It was cool when he became vice president. I'm fond of him, you know? I do know that he is, you know, uh, that he is uh, especially deferential to the pharmaceutical and banking industries that are incredibly powerful in the state of Delaware that yeah. he represents or represented. You know, I I know his flaws, you know? I, yeah. you know, especially as he's getting older. I wasn't, you know, I would have been much happier to have you know, I liked Biden when I also liked Howard Dean, you know, exactly. Like, I, yeah. liked Biden. I liked that era Biden. And now he's a lot older. He's a little slower, but he's still, you know, he's still Biden, you know, um, yes. I wasn't completely in the bag for Biden this year. I didn't have a ride or die person in the primary. You know, there's right. stuff I liked about a lot of them. There's stuff I liked about Warren. There's stuff I liked about Bernie. There's stuff I liked about Biden. There's stuff I liked about Mayor Bloomberg. There's yes. stuff I liked about yeah. every um uh, uh, Klobuchar I really liked, you know. Um I you know, and no offense to the people I'm leaving out. There's stuff I liked about Jim Webb. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you love Jim Webb. You there's love Jim Webb. Yeah, the, you know, against the private prisons and all that, you know. So yeah, you really like about. Remember his Vietnam it, thing? Remember when he was in the debate and he was like, "I saw a lot of death," and I yeah. was like, "Oh no, Jim yeah. Webb." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing his Clint Eastwood up there. There's still uh, stuff like is that's the thing is like this sort of you know black and white thinking. That's uh, what I mean by the personality disorder thing of like yes. I listen listen to everybody listen to what they're actually advocating in terms of policy. Yes. But like, why does it need to be that somebody's either the sort of conquering hero who is this flawless, you yes. know, Christ figure, or it's this sort of, you know, like forked tongued. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like evil Each devil, devil man. Joe Biden, yeah. the devil. You know? like, <laughs> well, he's just a bunch of career politicians making a case. Well, that's the thing. Here, yeah. Here's the thing. And that's so true is it was like, also it's like you can hold more than one or two feelings and thoughts in your mind at the same time. The yeah. point is you're supposed to shop for a candidate, no matter who your candidate is, you're supposed to, work to challenge them you're supposed like one thing with bernie sanders that drove me nuts was that he would talk about medicare for all and he would always say okay well you pay twelve thousand a year now and you know you're gonna and then you know with medicare for all you're gonna save money but he never articulated until what like and i wrote like people in the campaign and was like you need yeah. to change so i don't know if i influenced this or not i doubt it but i did write a lot of significant people in the campaign the same note which was would you please say that it is ultimately an, a tax cut? Just say it's a tax cut, because yeah. that's what it is. Because ultimately, if I pay $12,000 a year, and with universal Medicare, I pay 6000 a year in taxes, yes, in terms of my tax rate now, does my tax rate go up? Yes. But does my out-of-pocket personal expense towards healthcare go down? Yes, yeah. which means I am saving $6,000. And in fact, because that taxable money, uh, that non-taxed money is going out 
of my paycheck directly, I'm saving more money because I pay my health care, a lot of people do, with post-tax dollars. Right. And so it was astonishing to me, and that's a flaw, and you'd bring it up to some folks and they go, you can't, you know what, Bernie's done, and it's like, guys, yeah. the whole point is to, and this I find with Democrats is so true over across the board, which is that they're so afraid of the criticism that they will not point out the flaw. And the thing right. is, is that that is a death spiral. Because death it's spiral. all about the appearances. It's yeah. the same thing as saying that the masks don't really work. It's like, masks don't work. You don't need them. It's like, aren't you really saying that we've got a real problem with the mask supply and that we need to prioritize delivery to the people who need them the most? It's like, right, but then that'll be counterproductive to the cause. Yes. So what we're actually going to say instead is that masks actually don't work. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, the, the, that's what I liked more about Warren until she couldn't make the math square on the Medicare for all plan, you right. know? Right. It's like, it's like just say it, like treat people like adults and like, you know, put, the, put, out, the, put out the shiny 30 second commercial about, you know, make everybody feel good with your plans and the values that inspire those plans and then allow the white papers to exist for the thoughtful people to read and critique. Yes. And and make better, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, but it, it's all about the sort of maintaining the sort of level of ostensible holiness, which is just never possible, you know? It's yeah. the same thing with the Biden accusation. I mean, not to wade too far into these waters, but it's like, it's one, it's one thing to put totally aside the actual ac accusation here. I'm not going to get into it. I don't know. I haven't read enough about it. I don't know, but right. it is, it, it, it's, but it's, on a separate but very closely related topic is like, can everybody see that there is a sophisticated and established publicity campaign by which the Republican shadow, you know, shadow pack world is going to be able to roll out a plausible allegation against any Democratic yes. uh, candidate or politician who poses a threat to them, like Franken, which again, I'm yeah. not going to get into the specifics of that, but tell me that wasn't rolled out like a commercial campaign. Right, you know? exactly. Like, yes. I'm not like, let's... It's not defend. It's separating it in the sense that it's not saying, okay, this person, you know, like with regards to Franken, it's like, I can't, you can't speak to it in the sense of going, no, like absolutely not, or absolutely yes, or whatever. But in a separate bucket, it's like, but yes, but these things are rolled out as campaigns. It's, like it's like the Marshall McLuhan thing. If you're seeing it, it's for you. Exactly. Why is this at your door? Why is this arriving at yes. your door stuff right now? So yes. I'm not, I'm, I want to speak to that general case because obviously the jury's out. If there is, if there is such a thing, yeah. the, the, like the reason it's, like the reason that Mitch McConnell like jumped the gun on tweeting the Franken thing was that they all had a message in their, you know, hotmail inbox about yep. what is the plan on Fox news, et cetera today. Right. You know? Yes. And that's all that, that's the thing is it's like, it's all, it's so coordinated. And in addition to that, um, you know, this is the, this is why it's so easy to say this and it's very easy is it will play out. Whatever this thing is, will play out. And if Joe, you know, and the, the truth is, is that whatever comes out, it will either be one of three things. Very clearly not true. Uh, foggily, maybe we can't really get in, figure it out because there's too much vagary and confusion or it's, it is, or it is most likely true. It's going to be one of those three. 
and whatever three whatever it is i will abide by it based on the evidence presented and what what else can you do can i i, I make a comparison here because i've never talked about or like gone on the record with this in any public forum but it's always been a pet theory of mine because it theory it's you know I, I think it's true yeah. is like when a movie comes out notice this now when a movie comes out so i'm going to give you the examples the last fantastic four yes movie comes out right great film <laughs> right michael b jordan plays the the human torch right yes so they then you see stories online you know i forget the news outlet but like you know somewhere between medium.com and so and uh and uh, uh the daily beast somewhere yeah. in that zone yeah story comes out where it's like racist commenters on reddit say michael b jordan can't be the human torch because the human torch can't be black right 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 did the people did someone on reddit say that the human torch can't be black yes was that racist yes why are you seeing that story right now because it's part of the campaign publicity yes, campaign the publicity. for the goddamn movie exactly so like it yes. can all be true somebody did go on reddit and make some dumbass comment about their favorite comic book hero <laughs> yeah. and how they're annoyed that he's being played by a black guy and that's asinine and it's racist yes. and it's bad but right? someone else found it right why said, did they find it and why did it end up as a story on your newsfeed? Exactly. Why did it end up in your eyeballs? Because yes. they want you to be thinking about the Fantastic Four and they want the Fantastic Four to be a, 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 a <laughs> they want you seeing the Fantastic Four <laughs> to, to be, be an a act statement of against racism. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's the consumerism. We didn't even get into this and we'll have to get into it. Is the consumerist society versus the the consumerist society pre this pandemic and the possibility of the small scale capitalist society that we've never actually been that we could become that would actually make us both a combination social safety net uh, social safety net society that actually inspires and creates a better marketplace with more opportunity and options i want to get into that so uh you know i want to get into that because i feel like that's a whole other conversation um, uh, but I think it's something that you and I would be able to really get into, but it's true that that theory I think is not only very true, but it's cause you hear it on one end and go, it almost sounds like the pieces of yarn being drawn between a bunch of things. Yeah. But, but I say this because what's interesting is there's true, like to me, that's like, that's the conspiracy of marketing and consumption, which is drying and tagging things together. Flossie watched. I think they were running um, Contagion in early February every day. Right. They were running Contagion on Cinemax. Now, if you watch even just the programming of movie channels based on what's happening in the news, you will see that from their bucket of films that they have to program, it changes based on what the news cycle is. Right. what the information cycle is, right? Yeah, and some of that's algorithmic and and everything based on, you know, search, people's search patterns and all that. But sure. yeah, I mean, it's like, if you, like, it's hard for people to conceive of what's actually going on with marketing and publicity. Like, you hear people, I've worked in TV, I've worked at award shows, I've worked at this, yeah. where you hear the marketing people talking about impressions, looking at the cell phone data, like all that yes. stuff. It's a sophisticated thing. It's not 
people, you know, what are all these people getting paid six figures a year to do? Design billboards? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it's your, not some shadowy thing. It's yeah. right out there it's for right everyone there. to yeah. see. It's right yeah. there. And people are, you know, people are, you, people are tracking Instagram. They're, why are they setting up the big tent for the bourbon company at the yes. awards show so that people take pictures of it and they track who's posting it on their Instagram? Yes. Like, it's transparent yes. to us when people are like, use hashtag, you know, bourbon yeah. company, you know, U.S. bourbon. It's like it's transparent to us that they're doing that for marketing, but don't you know that even if you don't use the fucking hashtag, they're also tracking that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Well, listen, I want to wrap this up um, because I have to go on and do coffee with Tony. I know yes. you need to go on with your day. Yes. So let's talk about let's talk about our dream for a highly digitized, decentralized, pseudonymous. Um, uh, yes. social structure where we keep our states, but fundamentally reimagine the relationship between the federal government, the states, and local communities. Yes, or absolutely. Communities. And I want that. to talk MMT with you, Stephanie Kelton's uh, monetary theory about mm. running deficits at low, almost near low, uh, zero percentage rate loans, that there's no need to worry about running deficits, that we do Not it as long as we've got nukes. Yeah, that's you, you. Did you ever see my closing thing that uh, in the latest? I must have probably gotten it from you then, which is in the last Trump versus Bernie. Uh, when we got to capitalism, I would go, our money is as valuable as our ability to destroy you 200,000 times over. I'm, I think I'm echoing you, Tony. I think you're, I think. Wow, I'm, really? Yeah. Um, okay. Listen, this is just so everyone understands. This is basically a window into what the day-to-day -day conversations were like when we were roommates. But we both smoked. Yeah, we both chain-smoked <laughs> cigarettes and sat yeah, in the dirtiest room. We were just commenting on our roommates' uh, chicken cooking habits, whereas we were smoking two packs a day in the house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jared was so annoying. He cooked chicken slowly. Us, we were drunk, high, or chain-smoking packs of cigarettes every day. And screaming until like four in the yeah. morning. <laughs> All right. Um, Neil, I love you. Thanks for doing this. Goodbye. Thanks for being on Coffee with Tony. Thanks for the coffee. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye. And that was my interview with Neil Casey. Wide-ranging, spectacular, controversial, everything you want out of a first-time podcast. Also, you'll notice there were a few commercial breaks in there. But I didn't intro or outro. Uh, and that's because I've reached the end of my rope with editing this. And I will uh, only learn from here and uh, do hopefully a better job on the next one. You can follow Neil Casey on Twitter at not Neil Casey. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Atamanik. Uh, that's at T-O-N-Y-A-T-A-M-A-N-U-I-K. Um, also I have a Patreon. I would love for you to support me so I can keep producing this podcast. Uh, that's the real Tony. If you search Patreon, if you want a cameo, I do cameo. I'll do the Trump voice, Picard voice. You know, I'll do Trump. I'll do Jean-Luc Picard. I'll do William Shatner. I'll do whatever you like. Yeah, I'll do Woody Allen, uh, which isn't the best, but who cares? Uh, the point is go to cameo the real Tony and you can, uh, find me there. So thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll have a new coffee with Tony coming out next week. Thanks a lot. And bye bye. Mama,